Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The sixth chapter of Ephesians, verses 13 through 17. From as far back as we can tell, even among primitive Stone Age humanoids and other sentients, the use of armor has been inextricably linked to the rise of civilizations. In fact, with very few exceptions, as with the slug-like huts, there seems to be little to no evidence of space-faring species who do not don its own protective clothing. In some cases, Armor was a necessity of life, like with the Jendai, who were a people with no skeleton, made up of only muscles and tendons, though they appeared to perhaps have a skull with eye sockets, teeth, and jaw. In order to be able to use standard technology like ships and weapons, they would inhabit humanoid armor, which would act as an exoskeleton to contain their gelatinous bodies. In their case, they required armor not just for physical protection, but also to simply be able to interact with the wider galaxy in trade and commerce. Similarly, with Darth Vader, whose suit was also mounted with a life support system, which was necessity for his very survival. The roles that armor plays is multifaceted. In some cases, like with the Wookiees, the use of some forms of armor was almost strictly ritualistic, as with the Kashikian ceremonial armor, and made mostly out of wood from the Rorschach tree. Still others, like the Mandalorians and their Tong predecessors, wore their iconic plating made out of Beskar iron, which served multiple functions as highly protective and functional but also ceremonial, and still yet as a wider cultural symbol throughout the galaxy signaling their warrior prowess. But as in the case of the modern Jedi, who preferred to avoid the use of armor whenever possible, as it restricted their agility and in some cases hampered their force powers, they would equip, equip themselves with protective gear only when it was absolutely necessary. Their use of it was strictly practical. Obi-Wan Kenobi was known to wear armor, especially during the, his Clone War skirmishes. Some forms of protection transcended all of these categories, as they were biological in nature, like with the crustacean Savak species, which grew a chitinous exoskeleton that could resist blaster fire. The use of armor meant different things to different people at different times throughout history. To some, it was a vital part of their culture and religion. To others, it was purely practical, if not annoying ordeal. And still, to some, it was as natural as growing hair or fingernails. You are listening to the Star Lores Podcast. <laughs> Light Armor 
often made of woven materials or plastics, light armor was optimized for agility, flexibility, and ease of movement. While providing minimal protection from most blaster or blade attacks, it could provide enough insurance to save one's life, but likely would not prevent injury. The following are some of the most recognizable sets of light armor in the galaxy. Blast Vest During the Galactic Civil War, the Blast Vest was among the most affordable and widely used piece of protective clothing, especially among the Rebel Alliance. The armor itself would only cover one's torso, leaving limbs and head exposed, and could hardly stop a blaster bolt, making it a glorified utility vest. It was cheap, though, and had plenty of utility as most were littered with pockets and holsters. Among the most commonly purchased brands was the MK-45 protective vest manufactured by Coromandian PDS Incorporated. Armored Flight Suit More so of a category of pilot armor than a specific piece of protective clothing, all kinds of armored flight suits were donned by various armies. The people who used it the most were the TIE Fighter and Corellian TX-3 pilots. It was also utilized quite often by mercenaries and bounty hunters. The majority of armor in this genre was rather cumbersome, weighing in at 45 pounds on average, and not ideal for melee battles or shootouts. They were equipped with a breathing apparatus that held a small amount of oxygen that could keep a pilot alive in space for a short period of time while he, was a while he awaited rescue. Leather Jerkin Among the most primitive forms of armor was that of the leather variety. Many ancient cultures throughout the galaxy wore one form or another of this type. In all of the light armor category, leather is perhaps the least protective against modern weaponry. Notably, members of the Royal Naboo Security Force were seen wearing leather jerkins. This was perhaps traditional more so than it was for actual protection. Imperial Light Armor Perhaps some of the most protective in the light armor category, it was worn by storm commandos in black and scout troopers in white. Designed by one Dr. Nashiak Lalik, it was created with a blaster-reinforced polymer coating, which was able to withstand and even deflect blaster fire. The Storm Commando version of the armor could even evade sensor detection, making it ideal for covert operations. It was even infused with sound dampening technology, making it easier for soldiers to traverse over brush, making very little noise. The helmets were equipped with a myriad of abilities like ultraviolet night vision, binocular vision, comms, and multi-frequency targeting systems. Though the Empire never divulged the cost of the armor, Presumably with its state-of-the-art design and technology, it was among the pricier light armors on the market. Ichani Fiber Armor During the Old Republic era, the Ichani were elite martial artists who were very keen on having a style of armor that would accommodate their melee and hand-to-hand -hand skills, while still giving them considerable protection from weapons. The clothing was made out of thousands of nearly microscopic fibers that would be woven together to make plates. The plates would then be fit together to make entire pieces for a set. Among all the clothing type armors, Ichani fiber armor stood head and shoulders above the rest. This armor was steeped in tradition and skill by those who crafted it. Bone Armor this was a cheap, if not free, alternative to having to purchase manufactured bodily protection. However, bone armor could, in some cases, be even more protective against blaster fire than some of the factory products on the market. Though it did require some skills to make, one could not simply find the rotted carcass of some megafauna, slap it on one's chest, and call it a day. It needed to be carved, formed, and fitted for the specific wearer. Because of this price tag, it was most often seen on the bodies of spacers, vagabonds, and criminals. 
Sith Trooper armor. Often appearing in glossy red or silver color and a helmet which completely obscured the face, Sith Trooper armor was created during the Mandalorian Wars by Republic General and Jedi Knight, Revan. Presumably, the word Sith was not in its name in its first iterations, as Revan had not yet converted to the dark side. This would be the name the armor eventually assumed during the Jedi Civil War. It was initially designed to help give soldiers who were fighting Mandalorians a more even playing field against their foes. The armor style went through many iterations over the century and was used in the Great Galactic War and New Sith Wars. Its influence was even seen millennia later in the Galactic Empire Stormtroopers and even Darth Vader's unique armor. Medium Armor This armor classification was always trying to strike a balance between ease of movement and protection. Sometimes it was successful at this endeavor, other times not so much. Medium armor was much heavier than its light armor counterparts, but was protective enough that most types could deflect blaster fire, giving a combatant more leeway in full frontal assaults without losing a life or limb. It was not foolproof, however, and like most light armors, was designed in separate plates which covered one's most vulnerable body parts, but would leave joints exposed. Electro-Mesh The Nagai, a sentient humanoid species who resided in the unknown regions and rarely interacted with the wider galaxy, invented this unique armor. The black suit was enveloped in small energy cells that would make an energy shield around the wearer's body. Conceptually, it was not dissimilar to how shield technology works on spacecraft, with the ability to absorb blaster fire. Electromesh optimized for dexterity more so than most armors in the medium category, and is nearly light enough to be considered a light armor. And though you probably wouldn't find a Nagai on worlds like Coruscant due to their isolationist nature, they were happy to sell their armor to anyone willing to buy. It therefore would not be uncommon to run into someone wearing Electro-Mesh. Camo Suit During the Galactic Civil War, Kresheldon Industries introduced this innovative piece of equipment primarily sold to the Rebel Alliance, as well as mercenaries and bounty hunters. The suit was made of photoreactive fibers, a technology that had the ability to project light that was undetectable to most species, making its wearer either invisible or hardly noticeable depending on their environment. In, other, in order to be maximally effective, the suit had to cover one's entire body. It was also mounted with a battery pack on the back, Metal plates were installed in pockets at various points throughout the suit, mostly protecting soft spots in the body. Chitin Armor Not unlike bone armor, Chitin protective gear was made out of biological materials, primarily the hard exoskeletons of insectoid and invertebrate creatures. Because every set of this variety came from a different body, they varied vastly in quality and strength. Some species, like the Salvax, had natural chitinous growth, which was strong enough to absorb blaster fire with relatively little harm. While many mercenaries and spacers made it their preferred armor of choice. It was often much more dense than bone armor, which made it more protective, but heavier and less agile, a trade-off many preferred. During the Galactic Civil War, one particular armorer by the name of Dak smithed an entire line of chitin, which was called Ackley armor. Gensare armor. The Gensare was an order of force users who blended both dark and light side elements of the force. The name meant followers of the hidden truth in the Sith language, and many referred to them as Grey Jedi. 
A rite of passage amongst the Gensare was a construction of armor, not unlike how the Jedi would construct a lightsaber, making every set of armor aesthetically unique. It was constructed out of typical metal, but coated with a rare ore called cortosis. The element itself was not that strong, and was fibrous once it was melded on top of another metal. However, it had a property which would have an electromagnetic pulse when it touched a lightsaber, causing the saber to short out. This made it an excellent defense against both Jedi and Sith when they would occasionally engage in combat with them. Most of the time, it would be hard to tell if a Gensare was donning their armor because they would wear a cloak, which would obscure it. Blast Armor Yet another invention of Kreshaldine Industries, this armor designed specifically for Naboo security forces. Like the jerkin that was worn by the Naboo Royal Guard, it was also a leather armor. However, it was actually highly protective against blast, heat, cold, and projectile attacks. It was thickly padded with many layers of compact leather material, but was still light enough for combatants to be mobile. What made the armor special, though, was the exterior layer created from thousands of crushed crystals, which were turned into a semi-solid gel substance. This crystal material had the ability to diffuse blaster and sonic fire. Though not entirely eliminating a blaster bolt, it would significantly reduce its damage. Heavy Armor By far heavier and stronger than light or medium varieties, heavy armor was designed for maximal protection and cared little or not at all in some cases for mobility. Troops who were sent out to be cannon fodder would most regularly be fitted with this cumbersome equipment. It was important for this armor to be maximally cover as much of the face and body as was possible, leaving little room for a stray blaster or piece of shrapnel to pierce an exposed joint or rib on the body. Though it was most often seen outfitted in front frontline soldiers, it was not unheard of for bounty hunters or generals to be equipped with their own specialized set of heavy armor. Among the most common types of heavy armor was battle armor, which came in all kinds of makes and models, and its earliest developments were during the Jedi Civil War, circa 4000 BBY. Clone Trooper Armor just prior to the Clone Wars when Hugo Damask, Sheev Palpatine, and Sifo Dyas were raising the Grand Army of the Republic, their first order of business was to develop a state-of-the-art protective uniform. The first phase of Clone Trooper armor would be a precursor to many future renditions of the same basic format, from Katarn armor to Stormtrooper armor, which lasted beyond the end of the Galactic Empire. The components of the gear was a base layer body glove which served as insulation to protect the wearer in all types of environments, hot or cold. Django Fett was the primary consultant on the design, which consisted of 20 plastoid alloy plates that covered the entire body. It was not dissimilar to his own suit, loosely inspired by Mandalorian armor. Manufactured by the Kaminoans, production was made much simpler due to the fact that the entire army of clones to be outfitted were the exact same size, making a cost-effective economy of scale. Despite the clones themselves not being fans of the armor, referring to them as, quote, body buckets, they did have a number of life-saving innovations. The suits themselves were equipped with heating and cooling systems, air filtration, and could even withstand the vacuum of space for a short period of time. They could also easily be equipped with jetpacks, back-to-tanks, and flamethrowers, among other things. Most clone trooper armor was mostly white with colored stripes on them, denoting rank or the unit they belonged to. 
Katarn Armor. This set was developed as part of the second generation of Clone Trooper armor, but for the elite clone commandos. It was named after the Katarn, an apex predator from the old world of Kashyyyk. Though made from the same materials as Trooper armor, it was much heavier and bulkier, made with extra layers of reinforced materials along with novel binding chemicals, making it even stronger. Every suit of armor was also equipped with deflector shields, a personal back to supply, and EMP resistance. It was also highly customizable. No two sets were the same, and would often be changed and modified in different ways by its individual users. There was also an alternative, slightly lighter, more maneuverable version, which came in black called Night Ops Armor. During the Clone Wars, this was perhaps the most expensive protective gear on the market, coming in at over 10,000 credits. Stormtrooper armor. This was one of the final iterations of the plastoid body armor that began with the clone troopers decades earlier. By the time this suit had become standard issue, Emperor Palpatine had tightened his grip on the Republic, turning it into an empire. It was no longer clones only who could enlist in the Stormtrooper Corps, so the customization and modification of one's gear was no longer allowed. Stormtroopers were expected to look uniform, presenting an intimidating and united front against the Empire's enemies. The only distinctive that was allowed was a colored fabric pauldron which denoted a unit's commanding officer. Unlike previous versions of the armor, it was condensed down to only 18 pieces, making it easier to produce and fit to its wearers. During the Galactic Empire era, there were rare variations of the armor. It came in camouflage for certain situations which called for it. But by and large, stormtroopers donned the all-white look. The armor survived in different forms with the Imperial Remnant and well into the second century ABY. Fenilar Armor The Fenilar were a race that rose to prominence many millennia prior to the Battle of Yavin. They were well known for their navy, which developed the first versions of Dreadnought-class warships and their armor. What made it special was their innovative use of the mineral known as Frick, which, when turned into an alloy, was able to withstand even a lightsaber. The added bonus was the weight and flexibility of the protection, as it had the weight of medium armor, but the durability of heavy armor. It was also outfitted with hidden knife compartments, visually, visual assistance, and sensors that would warn the wearers of incoming danger. It had a dark metallic appearance and was intended to look intimidating. The Fenilar were eventually made extinct by the Mandalorians, and the armor fell out of favor, but the use of Frick carried on, especially in vibroblades and pikes. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey, <sighs> Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thanks for flying with us. Jordan here. Just wanted to let everyone know what's happening here at the Star Lords podcast. Star Lords is now on Discord. If you would like to join the Star Lords Cantina Discord server, you can find a link in the description or on any of our social media accounts. Reach out with a DM or email. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, 
Instagram, or Twitter by searching the Star Lores Podcast. Go ahead and give our page a like and send us a message. You can also email at starlorespodcast at gmail.com. Send us your fan art, Star Wars collections, or fan fictions, and you may even get a feature on one of our pages or even the show. Don't be afraid to offer corrections or add to any of the topics that we discuss on the show. We are also on Patreon, so if you want to help us pay the bills, as well as get a few awesome perks like bonus episodes, access to the private Facebook group, or the VIP section of the Discord server, head on over to patreon.com forward slash starlores and sign up for as little as one US dollar a month. And finally, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app or YouTube, as well as sending us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us reach a wider audience. Enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome aboard the Millennial Falcon. This is Jordan. And this is Christian. Uh, we're just uh, riding the waves of Camino here. Uh, about to do a tour of the old clone trooper manufacturing facility. Yeah. Uh, clone trooper armor manufacturing facility, that is. So today we are doing our little essential guide to armor. <laughs> uh, I always love these kind of episodes. They're, they're fun. Just all the lore behind all these different items and things you kind of come across in the stories. You know? Yeah. And Star Wars armor is iconic. Like yeah, yeah. Stormtrooper armor, Mandalorian armor, yeah. Vader's armor. You know it. It's like a, a signature of Star Wars. Yeah. And, uh, and on that note... Before we start getting all the angry comments and emails, you will notice there were some significant armor sets that were missing <laughs> from this episode, some iconic ones, as you said. Uh, but I realized going into this episode, if I included many of those other, I would say even more important armor sets, um, it was going to be much too long. Uh, so we will do... An armor part two, whatever we call that episode, yeah. at some point, and we will include Mandalorian we'll, armor. We'll come back to yeah. this topic; it's not forgotten or yeah. abandoned. I just wanted to cover all like the the a lot of the like smaller, lesser known armors, with the exception of the clone troopers, clone and stormtrooper. Yeah. yeah, obviously those are very well known, but. But um, even they have lots of variants that I'm sure we can deep dive into, yeah. even on on their own. Like yeah, a hundred percent, we could. Yeah, is we we may just have to do a stormtrooper episode. Oh yeah, well that's yeah, <laughs> like we um, will be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Anyways, uh, yeah. So just uh, that's for clarification. If people are wondering why you know some of your favorite armors aren't there, <laughs> that would be it. Yeah, we will cover those eventually. Just. Uh, just wait. Um, in any case, I wanted to just make some uh, honorable mentions. There, were, I wasn't able to fit every single set of armor that ever existed. Um, there were some that I was kind of on the fence about. Are we going to include this or not? And there's also problem with like a lot of the video games because like you want to equip yourself with armor so they make all this art they just invent these armors in the game yeah. and don't really do Elaborate any backstory on them. yeah there's no lore attached to the armor really yeah so you get tons of armor sets that are just like almost throwaways right like you never see them again other than in the video games and i get it you want to like equip your character yeah, you need variety yeah and, yeah <laughs> um uh, with the exception of something like Star Wars Commando, like the the armor in that game was very um, elaborate and like detailed and and uh, spelled out. But other armors, like especially in the Kotor games, yeah. <laughs> it's just there's so many sets of armor; it's ridiculous, and and they just like one sentence. Yeah, like. they're, yeah. There's like yeah. There. So, anyways. Did want to uh, some some again? I was kind of on the fence. Like uh, the Sinagar war armor, uh, the Mandalorian combat suit too, which is interesting. It's not the same as like the Mandalorian typical armor. Mandalorian armor. It's like a you know cheaper light armor combat suit. Um, 
Uh, that's that was an interesting one. Achani light armor, uh, but I think for the Achani, the fiber armor was like more common than the light armor, which was actually like plates, whereas the fiber armor was fiber, <laughs> right? So, uh, the Zabrak combat suit, um, Mara Jade's armor is also an uh, interesting one. Um, padded flight armor, and then I, I did mention uh, this, maybe a little correction, I did mention. So the huts did not really do armor, but there was a period in their history where funnily enough, they seemed to be a lot smaller or maybe in better <laughs> shape. I don't know. <laughs> You'd be the judge, but they actually did have a body armor and they would actually like fight in war in like hand to hand combat and stuff. Yeah. So there was a, a hot body armor, um, but I think that wasn't a very big part of their history or very long period of time they were wearing armor you know by the time they got other people to do, do their the fighting. fighting for them <laughs> they were a very warlike species for yes. a while yeah yeah and they did have their own conquests which is something not a lot of people know um they are scary yeah close combat they move faster they are stronger than yeah. people give them credit for but yeah over time they became very um docile yeah. and let other people fight for them and lazy and yeah yeah What's a word? There's another word I'm looking for. Um, hedonistic. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another kind of cool armor was uh, I just go look this up online. The JX4 Gladiator prototype uh, is sort of an interesting, powerful armor too. Um, mostly worn by uh, bounty hunters and such. Uh, so Durasteel armor. I did want to bring up again. This was something. The, the problem with how this is like classified, so Durasteel is actually like, it's a metal, right? Mm -hmm. it, there isn't a armor called Durasteel armor. It's just armor that happens to be made of yes. Durasteel. So Django and Boba Fett, yes. their armors were Durasteel. That's a that's a point of contention that we'll probably revisit okay. in the future. But yes, that, <laughs> that, has, that, has, been, that has been stated. Okay. Yes. Um, uh, some of Darth Vader's armor was Durasteel. Uh, lots of bounty hunters use Durasteel armor, right? Like it's a common material, material, but that doesn't classify the armor yeah, that that like person's saying wearing. Saying I wear steel plate armor, it's like okay, like yeah, from right. which century, what country, like in real life, right? Like yeah, exactly. So I did, yeah, category. I did want to bring up like Durasteel is obviously it's like a very important in the armor category as a whole, but it, there isn't like a a Durasteel armor yeah, set that's yeah, specific. a standard and that was even a tough thing with some of these armors like the battle suit or the uh, battle armor what did I call it um, I think yeah battle suit um, nope battle armor so battle armor is like a whole category in and of itself again it's a heavy armor but it's also a category like stormtrooper armor is technically battle armor same with clone trooper armor. yeah clone trooper armor yeah. Uh, and even Mandalorian armor can, like, yeah, it is a battle yeah. armor, right? uh, yeah, exactly. Um, but there is like kind of, I guess, like different companies in the Star Wars universe have just created their own generic battle armors, which look similar from the pictures I'd seen, look, do look similar to like clone trooper armor. Um, yeah. they're not like totally dissimilar, but they're not exactly the same. Um, but that also segues somewhat into another thing that I wanted to bring up, especially with uh, especially with stormtrooper armor. <laughs> how is this a heavy armor again? <laughs> like, how does Princess Leia's little uh, blaster pistol yeah. <laughs> like like completely okay, wipe out so a stormtrooper? I, this is this is something that this whole episode <laughs> was built on in my mind. It's something I. I hate about the depiction of stormtroopers generally yes, and yes. specifically their their armor yeah um especially it's been a huge problem in later iterations with the disney canon um i have a whole rant here so embrace <laughs> okay, yourself do it um yeah the, the stormtrooper armor appears to be incredibly weak and yeah, downright useless like, like plastic right? yeah like that's and, how it's and it's not i even, mean in real life it is plastic yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it shouldn't be yeah, portrayed it should. as plastic yeah so it, it, some kind of offenses so you mentioned princess leia she is noted to have a to use a heavy blaster pistol so in okay. theory that's like getting hit with a higher caliber round some body armors aren't necessarily rated for higher caliber rounds yeah so you can you can almost excuse that 
Um, there's also comments made about like, well, when you get hit with a blaster bolt, it doesn't necessarily kill you. Maybe it just knocks you out. So sure. it's something a lot of people don't realize movies are a lot to blame for this. If you get shot in real life and you're wearing body armor, depending on what body armor that is and the caliber you got hit with and all that fun stuff, a lot of times it still hurts you pretty bad. Um, yeah. Underneath the plates, like you could have crazy bruising. It can definitely break bones. Yeah. If you get yeah. hit in the head, it can knock you out if it didn't penetrate your helmet, which you're pretty lucky if it didn't. Yeah. But there's documented cases, right? Yeah, um, really, body armor is there to save your life. It's yeah. not there to like make sure you shrug off yeah, around stop you from and harm. Keep, yeah. Right? Like, now, in, in, again, depending on all kinds of factors about like the range and caliber that you're sure. hit with, you could, in theory, shrug off around, or yeah. it could knock you down or knock you out. Right. Um. So, with that in mind, it stands to reason that with like stormtrooper armor, you're not necessarily dead when you get shot, but maybe you're just knocked out. Yeah. Some trooper comes by and recovers your body. You come back not come back to life but you regain consciousness and you get taken care of medically after the fact all that's possible right so not necessarily all the people that get shot in star wars that you see on screen necessarily are dead so there's that this kind of falls off the tracks when you kind of hit return of the jedi when you having ewoks taking out stormtroopers (laughs) with rocks so then you got to start asking yourself okay like you have stone age technology being hurled at the supposedly menacing advanced military force. Now, to be fair, even even uh, almost knocking over ATSTs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> some pretty powerful uh, rocks yeah. on on Endor. Um, to be fair, yeah, you can get hit. Like again, armor doesn't. You don't just shrug things off. So people wear hard hats on construction sites. They're just made of plastic. Yeah. Again, can save your life. Doesn't mean you're not going to get a nasty neck injury if you have a heavy weight dropped on your head, right? Right. Um, so you could, in theory, make that argument. We go into the Disney era, <laughs> and you have shows like Rogue One and The Mandalorian where stormtroopers are engaged in... And, and so the other question, too, is the distinction of getting shot and what armor is meant for, right? So maybe blast armor is better against getting shot rather than melee combat. So this is where it gets way off the rails, in in my opinion. Rogue One, you have some pretty egregious offenses with... Um, oh, man, it's been a while since I've watched the, the show. The Blind blind Monk. I don't remember his name. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> but um, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he uses a, a staff to right. take out stormtroopers. Right. And, yeah. man, it has been a long time. The main ca- The main girl... You reviewed it not too long ago. I know, but it's still like, uh, it's one of my better, his favorite Star Wars. Uh, Jin Dar. Jin Orso. Yeah. Jin Orso, yeah. Uh, she takes out stormtroopers using like a, uh, essentially a nightstick or like an extendable baton. Yeah. Hitting clones in the face and then again in melee combat. And it's like, okay, at this point, it doesn't, it, it just, it, it shatters. The armor yeah. shatters. And same in The Mandalorian, um, Boba Fett cool character love boba fett he should be able to outdo anyone in hand-to-hand combat but the way he's taking out stormtroopers like you're seeing helmets shatter right on yeah. impact yeah where yeah it looks very much like plastic yeah so if you're getting people taken out in melee combat and then obi-wan the obi-wan series another offensive title all on its own but you have a character who's unarmed slap a stormtrooper in the side of the head and that like stuns him <laughs> And then she tugs on another stormtrooper's like front of his helmet, and he's like uh, discombobulated by it, and allowing her to grab it with one of their sidearms and kills him with it. So at that point, your armor is actually like impeding your ability to fight, <laughs> yeah. which makes it absolutely worthless. And I think from Rogue One on, it became especially egregious, um, yeah. where you have like people taking out like. The minimal thing. It's always been pretty bad, though. I, I, but I'm just saying it's gotten so <laughs> so much worse. It's it's almost kind of like laughable because, again, like at this point, why are you even wearing it? Yeah. You're better off just not even wearing armor. Yeah. So and I was looking at some of like the scenes in the Clone Wars and the, the clone troopers are de- like even their armor is actually depicted as protective. Yeah. But it's like how does it's like this. It's like almost the same armor, just like a. a previous generation of it how is it getting so much worse yeah so (laughs) a lot of that i chalk up obviously to um plot plot armor which is the strongest kind of armor there is um for the story to progress blah 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 and i think stormtrooper armor is supposed to be better than how it's depicted let's say in a lot of media 
uh, and on paper at least it's it's uh, so yeah so he, so here's my problem of kind of what surprised me in researching this episode is like again I didn't realize stormtrooper armor was a heavy armor yeah. <laughs> for one and then the the other thing was that like there's actually all this lore and stuff written about uh, even in the essential guide to weapons and armor it's written about stormtrooper it talks about how like state-of-the-art and high-tech it is and yeah. like really you you really get an idea of something that is like completely not true in the in the film depictions of the yeah. armor right and like, it's the same thing with the whole storm like completely incoherent yeah like they're 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 menacing reputation right like they're supposed yeah. to be elite ideologically driven warriors right and on screen they're you know bumbling yeah get red shirts that get taken out they've by, always by the heroes. done done dirty to the storm yeah <laughs> <laughs> well, well we'll address that in our stormtrooper core <laughs> yeah episodes um yeah. so yeah that, that's a whole side rant um yeah. there are some things i will mention about real life armor as well you know not all armor is meant to be bulletproof either uh, but protects you from other hazards you might encounter so things like shrapnel um concussive blasts and then you even have and like heavy objects falling on you and that kind of thing. And then even the utility of in space combat, you do want something that might be a backup in case you do get exposed to vacuum. Yeah. Um, which a lot of the especially the heavy armor does have, like yeah. have oxygen redundancies and stuff. So to be fair, outside of combat, armor also serves like a functional purpose as well. So mm-hmm. just thought I'd, I'd throw that in there. Yeah, for sure. But. Um couple other notes uh oh yeah um the so you were mentioning that the um so the kaminoans design of the clone trooper armor we all see it as white but they see on the ultraviolet spectrum yeah which uh, we don't so the clone trooper armor is actually looks different they're too. wearing a rainbow flag. <laughs> <laughs> well we don't know what it, it looks like um yeah the, it never indicates exactly what the community maybe it has like something like more i don't know tactical camouflage patterns on it or who knows um but the Kaminoans see in the ultraviolet spectrum so even things like their hallways and stuff aren't just bright white to them there's a lot more color and interest now yep. again in, in a military setting i don't necessarily think that their clones are you know, multicolored, like anything goes, although they very well may be, we don't, we just don't know. Yeah. We, we never get an indication of what that actually does look like to them. Um, and they do use colors that we can see, obviously uh, to denote things like rank uh, and later kind of Legion affiliation and stuff. So who knows where that kind of sits. Maybe it just looks, it looks similar, but just a little different in the ultraviolet spectrum. It's, it's again, it's just never really shown. So just have to guess. Yeah. So if you want them to be rainbow colored, I'm sure that's fine. <laughs> um, also, uh, just an interesting little um, out of universe point. So the f- uh, Fenelar armor, the Fenelar species um, in KOTOR 2, it is mentioned that, that you get the armor in KOTOR 2, uh, but it's it's spelled Felinar. Um, <laughs> And uh, the writers have since confirmed that this was a typo that, <laughs> that made its way into the game. And all subsequent written materials on the armor have the correct spelling of Fenelar. Okay. In case someone is doing his background checking up yeah. all our facts. I just thought that was kind of a, a funny little <laughs> how that got it. And why they wouldn't have just kept the word Felinar. Yeah, you know, it's because like, no, 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 it's spelled wrong. I'm guessing they invented it in KOTOR, but maybe Felinar, Fenelar were existed pre-KOTOR and they just wanted to introduce that. I'm not quite sure. So it is. It, it, Star Wars also has a bad habit of when there is some kind of divergence, they spun it off into its own thing. Yeah. So it, it, is, it could have gone the <laughs> other route where they're like, no, this is totally different than yeah, Fenelar yeah. armor. It's completely come up with a whole new backstory and everything for it. Yeah. So. Yeah, but actually, again, this is another. I would encourage people to go look up the pictures of uh, Fenelar armor. Pretty cool looking, um, pretty menacing. Um, all right. Uh, oh yeah, and I also wanted to mention that um, the Jedi actually, at certain periods, did wear armor as well, uh, especially like way, way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, like Jedi guardians and stuff would almost always wear armor, but it kind of seems like if 
especially by the time you get to the Jedi Civil War, they're like almost not wearing armor. Yeah. yeah, except for like Dark Jedi, right? I think it has to do again with um, practicality, individual preference. Like you might have a Jedi who loves wearing battle armor or even yeah. needs to wear battle armor because their species needs it to survive. Yeah. Or, you know, you have open war situations like the Clone Wars. Lots of Jedi are wearing or parts of armor. So yeah, like Mace yeah. Windu's wearing like clone trooper gauntlets, but right. he's not wearing the full bodysuit. Yeah. And Obi-Wan sometimes wears more armor or less armor. Same yeah. with Anakin. Just depends on the environment that you see yourself going into and kind of balancing out, okay, does this restrict my movement or my force powers and all that stuff too. Yeah. So that could also be a huge factor. Yeah, exactly. I think it just... It, but it it was there was a period of time where it was like standard for Jedi to to or at least certain kinds of like Jedi guardians to to wear it to wear it yeah. and, and Jedi guardians would rely less on force powers and you know more on just like brute force combat ability uh, yeah, yeah combat ability so kind of makes a little sense that more sense that they would do that um, but uh, I do th- I do kind of wonder. It's just me thinking out loud, but like I wonder if kind of as time went on, the Jedi just like for, focus more on their lightsaber ability and using the force to protect themselves as opposed to. Yeah, and there could be an ideological reasons too, yeah. where some Jedi might be like, no, it makes us look too much like warriors. We want right, to get yeah, away from yeah. that and be more passive or yeah. pacifist or appear more. Or just neutral. Yeah, right. or appear more neutral, yeah. less combative. Yeah. So there's there's all kinds of elements that would go into that kind of decision, I think. 100%. Um, okay. Uh, before we moved on, what was your favorite armor in the episode? What oh, armor? Oh, Clone trooper armor by, <laughs> by the widest margin. <laughs> There's a lot of cool looking armor. Um, that definitely, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I like the armor because I like the clone troopers. Like what came first? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do have, uh, quite the soft spot for storm tro- or clone trooper armor and stormtrooper by extension, but yeah, fair enough. Uh, I would actually have to say, I really like the Jinsare yeah, armor. That it's looks pretty cool. Sick. Yeah, yeah. Um, I almost want to cosplay it, but <laughs> <laughs> probably be pretty expensive cosplay. So, yeah, there's a lot of kind of lame armors too, but <laughs> like the, the like the the what was it the uh, blast vest? <laughs> Pro- <laughs> it's just a utility vest. Yeah, it's basically it's like a, a utility yeah. vest. Um, I will also say things, some things like, like the leather armors we mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're primitive and what, what, what not, but depending on the creature that you're taking the skins from, they could be quite protective. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's also a consideration to make like, well, the Naboo also were pretty innovative with their leather armor, like mentioned in the, epi- in the scripted portion, like, uh, you know, they, they had, uh, they had this like down to a science and they had this like crystal gel that was, it was like lathered in that could diffuse blaster fire. Right. Yeah. So, and that's like kind of an innovative way to use leather armor because it's not as expensive to, to produce, to produce the armor. Yeah. But anyways, um, okay. Just a, uh, correction. So we mentioned this, the species, the Jendai, uh, they're an invertebrate species that um, wore like an armor exoskeleton. And I never came across them when I did the invertebrates episode. <laughs> and now I'm like... They're pretty significant. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh man, there's <laughs> yeah, like dirge so much... Yeah, is, is a quite well-known Yeah, there's Jendai. so much like to write about them too, right? Yeah, so I'm they, kinda, they'll definitely get their own episode anyways. And we did say in that episode that we will do our own episodes on some of those species. Okay, so. yeah. Um, also, arguably, do we know if they don't... Oh yeah, they don't have a central nervous system. I know that. But I was going to say, if they have a skull, in theory, could they have something that's equivalent to a spine, possibly, even if it's like a little nub in the back of the skull? Who knows? Well, that was know. also the weird thing, because they do have like eye sockets, yeah. almost like a bone. And mouth. And, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. mouth. So it's like, <laughs> you kind of suspend your disbelief a little bit. Unless or... it's like a really, uh, we're going off topic here, but like <laughs> really tight muscles that like shape the face. Yeah. In theory, unless yeah. it's explicitly said, we'll we'll get to this in a Jedi episode, which yeah. there are there are fans. I'm a fan of the Jedi, yeah, sort of. Okay. They're enemies of the Mandalorian. <laughs> well, at least dirges. Whole thing. We'll get into it later. Um, uh, did you want to mention that historical research correction or skip that? Uh, we'll we'll do it on another episode. Okay. Yeah, we'll skip that then. Um, all right. I just also before we uh, clock out here, I just wanted to give a big shout out to. 
our two newest uh, Patreon supporters, uh, Jonas and Caden. Thank you guys so much. Uh, if anyone else wants to help support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash star lores. And for uh, three USDs a month, you can support the show. If you're feeling real generous, you could do five. <laughs> Maybe you can get Jordan that John Sari armor. Yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, if if you're really hurting, there is a lower tier that is like pretty cheap and you can, you know, get all the bonus material. Uh Anyways, we, we want it to be as accessible to as many people as possible. Um, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Just look up um, Star Lores. And again, we're on Discord. <laughs> that never-ending plague. Yeah. I think the number one message we get is... <laughs> what's the Discord? What's so? your Discord link? Link, yeah. link is broken. Uh, we apologize again profusely in every episode now. It's <laughs> yeah. been... Um, this is just like our standard. Yeah, standard. <laughs> Sorry about this. But it actually gets a lot of, there is a lot of um, engagement in the Discord server. Yeah. So, it, And I haven't been on there lately just because I've switched phones. So yeah. I do apologize for the recent dark, going dark for a bit, but yeah. I plan to be back on Fair enough. shortly. Yeah. So we do, uh, it is worth it for us to keep doing Discord just because there is actually people engaging on there, um, probably more so than our other. Um, platforms so uh, but yeah if you want that do that you can also email us uh, starlerspodcast at gmail.com we also we'd love to hear your fan fiction if you got art Star Wars art if you have a suit of Star Wars armor if you have a sweet suit of Star Wars armor give it to us your Star Wars collection send it to us we want to post it on like Instagram and stuff. Yeah. Just repost like fan. Build your street cred. Yeah. Star Wars street cred. Show us your Lego sets. Your yeah. Whatever you got. Even your book collection. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, anyways, with that being said, I think uh, I think that's it. Peace. <laughs>